In the world of recruiting, some people have seen it all. They build recruiting teams from the ground up, hired hundreds of people in the best companies in the world, developed their expertise year after year. I'm Robin Choi, and I'm on a mission to collect their learnings. These are their stories. Hey, everybody. Hey, Katrina. They're happy to have you here today on A-Players. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, Katrina, you wrote a book called The Robot Proof Recruiter in 2019. I did. And that's the reason why I wanted to have you on the, on the podcast today. You also have uh, two decades of experience in recruiting. You started as a recruiter, now a trainer. You also help companies improve their candidate experience and recruiting processes. Is there anything else I should say on your, on your background? Oh, what else do I do? Well, actually, I've written the second edition of my book, so that's quite nice. I'm currently writing another book for managers rather than recruiters called Conquer Hiring. And I've had the incredible honor to speak at all the leading recruitment conferences around the world as well. So I get to hear a lot of different experiences and opinions of what's going on out in the marketplace as well, which is super exciting. So yeah, that's what I do. It's good fun. And you also had your own podcast and, and appeared on several podcasts, right? Oh, yeah. I ran the social recruiting show with Audra and then with Glenn for well over five years. And then I did have another one for a while there, but hard work, <laughs> as you know. Yes. Tell me about it. So today we'll be talking about the robot proof recruiter in the age of generative AI, meaning all the ChatGPT stuff, AI that can generate things, text, images, videos. Um, you wrote that book in 2019. So generative AI was already there, but pretty pretty much nascent. What changed since 2019 and why did you feel it was important to write that book in the first place? So I should say I was approached by Kogan Page, the publisher, and asked if I would like to write a book, which in itself is pretty mind-blowing. And I knew immediately what I was going to write, which was that technology can't replace recruiters. And at that time, as in even now, all of the tech vendors are going, oh, you know, you can be replaced. It's really easy. Anybody can do recruitment. And and what often happens is you will have a developer who had a bad recruitment experience who will then go, I'm going to set up a company that does recruiting and, you know, apparently replace us. And because I know that's not true because we are people recruiting people for other people and people are weird. <laughs> and they're just, they have thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And that is something that technology cannot replace. But what I also saw was how badly that recruiters and companies alike use technology. It is used as a barrier to recruitment. It's just layer upon layer upon layer. You know, it used to be, I'd have a job, I'd find you, I'd call you, you'd answer your phone for stuffless, and we'd have a conversation. It was very easy. Or you would send your CV into a company and then quickly that would lead to a phone call and then on to interviews. You know, now I hear of processes where, People aren't even getting on an opportunity to ask their questions as a candidate until they're nearly at offer. So it felt really necessary, and I don't think that it's changed. To me, all of the AI that's coming out at the moment is just more noise for recruiters to be heard through. It will be used really badly initially until people get their head around it, and that will just create more problems for people who are recruiting. <laughs> it won't necessarily make it easier. So the entire book is about Use technology to create a better human experience. Don't not use it. I love tech. You know, look what we're doing right now because of tech. I have my whole business because of tech. So I don't have a problem with it. It's how we use it. So use it to create connection, not as a barrier. So that's why I wrote it. 
Got it. And did you have any uh, specific technology in mind in 2019, like resume sorting things or or assessment tests, or there was a big hype around video interviewing as well? Was it the general stuff? It covers everything. So it covers the entire recruitment process. So from, you know, working out, you actually have a requirement to sourcing and everything, but it's not Actually, I don't touch on sourcing as much as Jan Tegza, but you know, it's, I'm talking the entire 360 process and also how you present yourself online, whether you look like a recruiter worth talking to, do you look like a company worth talking to? It's not really about the technology per se. It's about how you use it. Generative I, generative AI, that's so hard to say, is like having a grand piano, but recruiters play chopsticks. This is the problem. It's like we're not using the tools we have now well. We need to learn to use them better. So the whole book is about that. It's not about specific technology. I don't really care which technology you use. I just want you to use it to create a better human experience. So there's so much covered in there. Thinking things like, you know, the usual, an autoresponder on an applicant tracking system. Somebody applies, they get sent an email. Make it human. Make it lovely. There are tools you can use to send gifts by text instead of sending an email, for example. It's not about which technology. And certainly when it came to ATSs, I was not going to make a recommendation on that because <laughs> I'm still waiting for there to be an amazing one. Um, so it's less of that and more the how. But what it also has is 85 people have contributed to this book with lots of examples and experiences. And, you know, just it's really gritty. It gives people the opportunity to like go, oh, wow, I can implement that change immediately. Rather than as you're aware with technology it usually is quite a layered process to implement and costly what would be the um the top three changes you would recommend the easiest one to implement get your intake right it's so funny because we're so focused on all of these tools and technology and recruiters unfortunately on both sides whether they're agency or working in the company have a big problem getting the information that they need out of the hiring manager and when i talked about you know, these latest tools are making so much more noise. It's even more important that you're heard. It's even more important that you stand out from all of the other people out there who are vying for someone's attention. And the only way that you're going to do that is by having a really amazing intake with the hiring manager, which is chapter five of my book. And as I was writing it, I realized that it was the crux of all of the problems. You've got sort of a lot of recruiters working off a job description, which has probably been pulled out of a draw, for example, and, and hand it over to them to work off instead of spending 45 minutes to an hour getting all of the information out of the manager who's not saying what they really want. It's start there, but we're not. We're using an old job description and then CBs, and that's how we recruit. And we haven't fixed that. If you fix that, you'll fix the entire recruitment process. It doesn't matter what tools you use. It'll be you'll actually know what you're recruiting for. So it's almost, I'm saying, get back to the human stuff. I gave you one. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good one. And then again, apply to generative AI. It's back to what you can do as a human, getting that information, going through the discovery. It's very hard to automate because you need to have that back and forth with a human who's an expert in the market as well. And this is also how you get the information and the content that you can then use ChatGPT or whatever to turn into a good job description. But if you don't have the original material, it's very hard to turn into a good job description. So I would 100% agree with you on this. And this is my issue. 
that what will happen is someone will go, write me a Java developer job description, and they will just take what it says. My whole book, and it's funny, when I wrote a second edition, I emphasized this even more. We need to be actively listening. We need empathy. We need far more curiosity than I'm seeing in this industry. I mean, we need so much curiosity. We need to constantly be going, you know, why is the manager saying this? Why is ChatGPT saying this? Like, why? Why, 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 why? And getting beyond it and getting really underneath the skin of things and, and really constantly thinking, is this correct? Is this really what I'm looking for? Is this really the right answer? I just wish there was more of that. And my fear is, and I go back to that noise, is it's not going to be used like that. It'll just be, oh, well, it said, ChatGPT said, mm-hmm. really? I hope we get to that point. You know, most of us have a pretty healthy skepticism around what we see on Google, but don't necessarily take the first thing we see. So hopefully we'll get to that point where people won't believe what's on ChatGPT. I mean, you're already hearing stories coming out of fails. Yeah. So Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be more. And hopefully people start going, actually, I do need to fact check this. I do need to... Be curious, what can I do differently to get a different result? And it's exactly the same with your managers. <laughs> what questions can you ask to get a different result, to get that rich information to use in all, in all of it, be it your outreach or your advertising? So we actually get a second piece of advice here is uh, keep that healthy skepticism that you can have on Google and apply this to the new technologies. Basically doing, yeah. as you say, like general advice, this worked 10 years ago. It will work in 10 years, maybe the next thing after generative AI, you'll still need to spend time on the intake meeting, keep that healthy skepticism with anything that you've been sent. And I think, I mean, some of it's because I'm Gen X and I think because we grew up before technology really took over, we learned how to be curious and we learned how to go and find stuff. You know, we sort of had to go to the library and research or go and find encyclopedias. It wasn't in our hands. And I think we have a responsibility, having created this technology with the boomers, to teach the young generation to not take everything at face value, to be curious. And this applies for everything, whether it's, you know, your Facebook reel. I mean, I've seen a few things recently and I've jokingly shared it with friends and I said, well, obviously this is a Facebook reel, so it's true. (laughs) You know, And, and it's the same kind of, you know, and I'm being sarcastic, but it's that same kind of have the skepticism, do your research, fact check. Don't take things at face value. Mm. So it would just make you a better human, to be fair. <laughs> Is, yeah. <laughs> what other advice worked in you or you, or you wrote in you, you shared in your book in 2019, still works today for generative AI? We already have two. What else would you say is still relevant? And then is there anything else that you wish you would have changed or that is not relevant anymore? Honestly, it's all relevant. I think the other thing is to remember that you're being looked at, which I talk about extensively. So if that was tip number two. I think that's, it's actually really fascinating. So many recruiters were laid off in 2020 and there's a ton that have been laid off recently as well, which is absolutely dreadful. But what's fascinating is how poor their own LinkedIn profiles are, which sort of gives you the idea that their resumes and CVs are also bad. So it's like present yourself in such a way that people want to talk to you. So if we're going to have more noise to cut through than we already have, there's 5 billion people on the internet currently. You can imagine if everyone shared a post every day, like that's 5 billion posts every day, right? There's a lot of noise. So you're trying to be heard. So people, you get a great intake, you use that information, you finally get someone's attention and they look at you and go, oh, I don't want to talk to Robin. His profile's bare. He has no profile photo. He doesn't show how he's going to help me through the recruitment process. He hasn't got any recommendations, all this kind of stuff. 
people look at you, but then they also look at the company, which is my third tip. So make sure that you look worthy of someone's time and your company looks worthy of someone's time because it's, it is their time. So it's those sorts of things that are quick win. And I don't see that changing. In fact, it's probably more important <laughs> because people will be looking for, is this true? Like, are you a real person? Is this a real company? Is this really what it's like to work there? So we've started seeing more and more of these uh, AI-generated profile pictures, be it on LinkedIn or yeah. Instagram and stuff. Would you recommend using one of those? No. No. <laughs> Besides which, fact, you probably find it breaches uh, the LinkedIn's terms and conditions. Does it? As well, It probably does because they don't like you to use caricatures and things like that. Um, I have no idea. I haven't looked. Please look. Fact check. Trina Collier doesn't know everything, um, <laughs> strangely. So, no, because they're awful. <laughs> I've seen all my friends use them and I'm just like, what are you doing? You're so beautiful as you are. Why are you just becoming inhuman? You just, you know, uh, we are just perfectly imperfect, flawed human beings. Just present yourself as somebody really real. And I take that on to the selfie thing as well. Like, you know, is it is LinkedIn. You want people to talk to you. Is that selfie setting off that impression that someone wants to talk to you? So it's a similar thing. So, yeah, no. But, you know, remember I'm old. Maybe I'm just a bit boring and probably just not down with the kids. <laughs> I would agree with you. And we're, because we're start seeing more and more of these um, pretty generic LinkedIn profiles that all look the same, the same headline, the same AI-generated perfect profile pictures feels like everybody's fake and then you only yeah. want to engage with people that feel human with an actual profile picture and where you can feel the flesh and the bones, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Look, we all use the tricks. I went and had my photos done actually two years ago already, which is amazing. Um, Rosie Parsons Photography and she's amazing. So they're really bright. I've got makeup on, which as you can tell is pretty rare because <laughs> it's not on now or the last two times we've spoken. So it's like we all make an effort and she is great lighting and, you know, I look 10 years younger than I am, but it's not AI generated. It's still clearly me and people kind of would meet me in real life and go, okay, she's not wearing makeup, but you know, same person. And I think the trouble is we're just not, there's an immediate lie. We, we, the people that recruit the people. So whether you're working for a client or you're working for a company, what we do is so important. We play with people's lives. Why do you want to start that with a lie? Mm -hmm. And that lie being they look at your photo and they're deciding instantly, do they trust that person? And I don't feel they're going to if they see an AI-generated photo. I mean, like, it doesn't, what are they hiding? God, what does that say about that person that they can't just put a photo of themselves on there? And it is that animal instinct that we have to look at somebody and decide whether we trust them or not because it was survival and we haven't lost that. It's still there in the brain. Yeah, sure. And when you get that message on LinkedIn, you have to make that decision in a, in a second, right? You know, just yeah. like you get that many messages and you check and you say, yes, yes, no, yes, no, and then boom. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. And in I wouldn't say that it's contrarian, but... Uh, I like how you think, and I like how those principles will still work in 10 years, right? You have to yeah. keep the human, you have to spend time on the intake meeting, you have to stay skeptic, you have to make sure that you assess everything, every information that you receive. I'm just thinking because I gave my 
can't think what year my keynote was at SourceCon in the US. It must have been 2017. So it's that six years ago. And I was talking about exactly this, that the, because it was all about robots. And Glenn Cathy also spoke and also talked about this, which was develop the human skills, you know, to future proof your career, no matter what you're doing, what industry you're in. If you don't want to be replaced by AI or in a robot, you have to develop that curiosity, that empathy, all of the listening skills, all of the superhuman skills that we have that at this time, technology cannot replicate. Do you have anything to say on the uh, closing process? Because this is an area where you would expect a human would overperform over a robot as well, because you, you can build that trust and you can understand the person's doubts and then you can work with the person reaching their ideal outcome. So do you have anything to say on the, uh, on the closing process? So I'm going to talk about in-house recruitment teams because I understand them a little bit more now, <laughs> even though I've done more in agency. If the team is set up in such a way that they have time, so they're working on maybe 10 to 12 requirements maximum, that they can do a proper advanced screening call and they can speak to people before the interview and after the interview and then that goes around in a loop, doesn't it, depending on how many interviews so that they can use all those human skills again to find out the personal motivators of that person, mm -hmm. then I believe that the human will be better. However, I've just seen a team that is so overloaded with requirements and also getting in so many applications because of what's going on in the tech sector, lots of people just mass applying and not thinking about what they're applying for. So they have so much going on that they don't have time to make the telephone calls. But I'm not sure how AI would supplement that. I mean, what a chatbot? I, I don't know. I don't see how that candidate is going to currently speak to somebody and feel like they're heard and divulge personal information to a robot. I don't see it happening. And actually, I'll go back to my point I've made many, many times, which is I was working as a teller in a bank when I first started my career, and I was told I'd be replaced by teller machines. There are still tellers in the bank. Mm-hmm. For a mundane transaction like cash, there are still people in the supermarket for a mundane transaction like shopping. You really think that people are going to give their career over to a robot? You know, a few will, but the vast majority, particularly of experienced professionals, will not do that. So again, it depends on do people have the bandwidth? I would say an agency, they've got far more bandwidth to have all of those conversations to lead to a close, whereas I'm seeing too many talent acquisition teams who are overloaded and cannot give that personal touch which is a real shame. And back to the bank teller, um, there is two big opinions right now. The first one is 50% uh, of recruiters will disappear. The number of recruiters in the world will just be divided by two in the next few years. Who created that statistic? I don't know. It's more an opinion than a statistic. But I've heard it so many times recently. Is it like 80% of jobs aren't advertised? Is it like that opinion? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's in 2019 when I wrote. It's even worse because it's a prediction. But, uh... Yeah, but in 2019 when I wrote Edition 1, I had to delve into the truth of all of the stats that we commonly use, like 80% of jobs aren't advertised, 50% of recruiters are going to years, and most of them were just made up. Mm -hmm. So I would like to know who's been saying that. What is their vested interest? Is it like all of the rich landlords who want to get people back into the office? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've, so I've heard it from a, a big staffing company in Canada. 
the yeah. CEO of a big staffing company. Yeah, but you're right. Uh, you should always challenge, and back to what you said before, you should always challenge the person's interest and should always be skeptic. So my understanding is you think the opposite. You think that recruiters, the number of recruiters will keep on growing or do you have any idea at all about this? How do you think about it? I actually don't know how it will impact the numbers at all. And I guess time will tell. The ones that will survive, though, are the ones who will make themselves robot-proof, the ones who will use their superhuman skills to add value to another human being. They're the ones that will survive. If you are a transactional recruiter, I mean, perhaps, I don't know what that staffing agency does. Perhaps it just does temp truck drivers. Oh, no, that's really tough to work, actually. I don't know what it does, temp cleaners or something where there's a lot of people as a, actually, there are no drivers. Ignore that one. Go back to, <laughs> go back to, um, cleaners or someone like that who there are more of them like there are lots of recruiters so perhaps for that kind of recruitment where it's exactly the same job constantly really it's just hourly really it's just quick fill maybe but not when it comes to people's careers when it's a professional I'm taking a leap of faith I haven't changed jobs in two or three years you need to coax me it needs to be a good step I need to be developed and so on maybe but I think it could replace bad transactional recruiters. And I've said that about technology for ages. And you've seen those technological changes over time, over those uh, two decades of experience, like uh, when you started, was LinkedIn even a thing? or? Oh, LinkedIn only gained success because of the 2008-9 crash. I don't think it would have its mere 900 million profiles if it hadn't had that happen. It was there. I think I was one of the first on it in 2004 5. I'd have to actually look up. I joined on Valentine's Day randomly. I remember that, not which year. <laughs> so I was fun, really funny to myself. And it was the 2008 9 crash where suddenly there were a load of job seekers. So boom, everyone went on LinkedIn. But I will say this not everybody that's on LinkedIn is looking for a job. Many people just go on there to have somewhere to keep in touch with their old work colleagues and things like that. And it would be nice if recruiters remembered that when they were making their approaches. Because mm. <laughs> it is a little frustrating. Yes, <laughs> but they just assume that people are on there to get a job. So, yeah. So, um, what else has changed? Um, it used to be that you could telephone people and they'd answer their phone. And what we have now is we have, I mean, how many emails do we exchange just to get to this point? So every single time it's like a message, email, text, it's something else just to get on a telephone call that will last 10 minutes. And it's just crazy. So that I find frustrating. I think the fear that people have to call people is also insane because there are some influencers in the industry who tell people not to call anyone because that's their personal preference. And I just think call if they answer their phone, they're giving you permission to speak. If they don't answer, then you can leave a voicemail, then you can send a text, then you can, you know, this reluctance to st even start with a call is quite fascinating. So that's been a huge change. I think this amazing telephone that's within reach that does anything but be a telephone is the greatest cause of communication fails of all time. <laughs> the frustration it can cause when someone reads your message and doesn't reply, you know, things like that. So again, they're within reach. People could answer you, they choose not to. So it's like even more important to make an effort. Yeah. And maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago, people could have said that recruiters will disappear because now everybody has a phone in their pocket. So you just need to get their phone number and you can reach to anyone. 
but because of the noise, recruiters have never been more important in order to get that, that reply. So I've got job seekers doing it now. They're using the tools to send me invites to connect or sending me in-mails on LinkedIn looking for a job. And I'm like, I'm not a recruiter anymore. I've been a recruiter for quite some time. Hence, there's 85 people helped me write my book, by the way. <laughs> I backed it up with lots of examples. But it's like they're creating noise that I'm getting because they just see one word. And that's what recruiters have been doing to candidates for so long, yeah. actually to prospects for so long. Yeah. And then they get frustrated, which is even more hilarious. So how many recruiters do you hear complain that people don't reply to them? Why should yep. they reply to you? <laughs> Why should they? It's amazing. So, yeah, it's even more important. I go to my point, better intake, better human skills. So we're almost to the end of that discussion. What's the final advice that you want to leave to our audience, people listening to us? Like one final thing to be robot proof. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you purchase the Robot Proof Recruiter, that would be an excellent start. Um, but I did donate my royalties to a charity called Hope for Justice. So please buy five copies of my book, not just one. But you will find that I, whether there's generative AI is not written in there or not, that it's really gritty, that it will give you lots of examples and lots of guidance in how to get technology working for you, not against you. Currently, most people are using it against themselves and don't even realize it is really, really time to step up and use those superhuman skills. And yeah, now I do it even more than probably when I wrote Edition 2 <laughs> last year. <laughs> and we'll also keep an eye out for your next book. When is it supposed to be? Uh, when I finish writing it. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's go with the first one then. We'll add a link to the uh, to that episode description, the Robert Performer. Thank you. And thanks a lot for sharing that experience and helping us all become more robot-proof recruiters. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks, Robin. Hey there, this is Robin. Most of our listeners come from word of mouth. So thanks a lot for your support. And if you enjoy the players, please keep on sharing it with your team and friends. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you can't wait, follow me on LinkedIn for more content on recruiting. Talk to you next week.